All right, you're there. All right. Well, welcome to the Nurse Empowerment and Leadership Show. It's This is a show where we highlight all the amazing work that we are doing here in the community, healthcare leaders, nurse leaders, and you will get a chance to dive in and listen to some great interviews, some great stories of what nurses and nurse leaders are doing in the community. My name is Eva Francis and I'm your host. And get ready to hear an amazing discussion with Dr. Oze. Tariga, registered nurse, PhD. We have an amazing guest here for you, ladies and gentlemen. So get ready, have your water, your coffee, your orange juice, whatever you like, sit back and listen to some great discussion that we are going to have right now. Dr. Jose Arnold Tariga, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Nurse Empowerment and Leadership Show. Thank you so much, Dr. Eva Francis, for having me um, in your show today. I am so excited. You know, one of the things I like about you as we talk on backstage is a passion that I see that you have for nursing. And once when I see passion from a distance, I can tell passion. And I like the fact that you love what you're doing. You are impacting nurses. You're impacting your organization. You're impacting the community. And that is just so impressive. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who is Dr. Arnold Tariga? Um, okay, so I, I think I'd, I'd like to start with a funny story, um, Dr. Eva, because actually I was one of those who went into nursing who initially did not actually like nursing uh, just because I was scared of blood and, you know, like working in a hospital with sick people. But, um, well, Jose Arnold Tariga is a Filipino nurse from the Philippines um, who has been working as a nurse over the last 15 years. Um, I would say that, you know, the the experience of um, working in the nursing profession has been an amazing, and I think I would say an enlightening experience um, from a personal and professional perspective. And um, having been a nurse, I've worked in different um, specializations. Um, I started as an ICU nurse and then moved into clinical education, did some part-time academia, and then recently worked into um, towards the education, but more on the corporate side. So um, yeah, I, I would say that I would also say that I'm a global nurse by background because I have worked not just in the Philippines, but also worked in the Middle East before I moved to the United States. Wow, wonderful. Did you get your PhD in the Philippines or in the United States? I got it in the Philippines. Oh, okay, great. You know, you, and that's one of the reasons that I, I really want you to come on our show today because you, you just have 15 years in nursing and you have navigated your way with so many different areas of nursing. And I am so thrilled to hear that. 
So tell us exactly about, you know, about some of the, what are you doing exactly today, like in your staffing company and so on? What exactly are you doing? Yeah, sure, of course. Um, so I think I'm I'm going to give you a brief background uh, as to when I started as a nurse. So I started in 2008 as a bedside nurse. And then um, while working in the Philippines, I realized that sometimes it can be a bit challenging from the financial side of it. Um, yes. So I decided to move into um, the Middle East in Dubai, um, mm. started as a bedside nurse, and then worked into the clinical ladder, um, into leadership ladder. But um, unfortunately, Dr. Eva, it did not work out well for me. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that twist in my career pathway sort of led me to education. And I, I would say that I found my niche in, in education. So I started moving towards the clinical education pathway um, and then did some part-time teaching in, an, uh, in a university there in the Middle East as well. And I sort of fell in love with education. So um, as I was working there for almost 10 years, I've realized as well that I did not see myself growing as a professional. I would say that there are limitations in terms of what I can do in the Middle East. So I started hearing from friends who have moved to the United States that, oh, it's, um, you know, moving to the United States will open up a lot of opportunities, especially for you as very passionate Mm -hmm. into what you do. So I decided to embark on my American dream, um, as many Filipinos would say, and Mm -hmm. then I'm sort of very new to the U.S. Actually, I just moved in here last year, um, first quarter. Oh, last year! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'm still trying to survive the winter, Doctor Eva. So. I thought it was longer than that. You have no, meeted already. Yes. Yeah. So I just recently moved in. Um, so when I started here in the U.S., I started working as a bedside nurse, and um, I'm not saying that I don't like. I don't love bedside nursing but um you know i was more passionate in education so i tried looking for an opportunity to teach and uh, fortunately because um i already finished my doctorate degree and some other qualifications certifications as an educator i was mm-hmm. hired as an assistant professor in one of the nursing schools here in massachusetts because i'm currently based here in boston yeah. Um, yeah. and then December of last year, I was stopped. This is through LinkedIn. And I think this is the power now of networking and, you know, leveraging social media. Um, because I'm, as, as what you know, you know, I'm actively posting what I'm doing. Um, one of the VP of a different organization who's the connection of mine um, had a conversation with the VP of my current organization. And seemingly the uh, my current VP was looking for a director of clinical education to help them with their international nursing program. So yeah. when they talked to me about the program. Um, I felt like, oh my God, this is something that I really would love to do because, um, you know, being a, yeah, um, being a Filipino nurse, I would want to help my fellow Filipinos who are transitioning. Absolutely. Yeah, because I've, I've seen how, I mean, I've had the first kind of experience of not having the, I would say, the, full preparation as I transitioned here. So um, mm-hmm. when they told me about the, the intent of the program, I, it was a no-brainer. I was like, I, I would want to join in because um, that is something that I would have wanted for myself. So now I'm able to give back to my um, fellow Filipino nurses, and not just Filipino nurses, actually, even internationally educated nurses who Absolutely. want to be in the U.S. That is great. You know, I was involved in some international recruitment some mm-hmm. ago. And I know exactly what it takes to get 
um, nurses from the Philippines to the United States, from the Caribbean to the United States, and it's like a dream come true. You know what I'm saying? So tell me about your experience in the Middle East. What was the most challenging thing for you there? Uh, challenging moments, I should say, for you there, um, transitioning from the from the Philippines to the Middle East. Yeah. So um, there were a lot of challenges, and there were like extreme challenges, I would say. Um, I think when I initially moved into the Middle East, the initial challenge was not being able to to um, speak the language. So yeah. most of they speak Arabic. Um, I do not speak Arabic. I only speak very little Arabic, even after 10 years of working there. Um, and um, I would also say that another challenge was the limitation in terms of professional opportunities. Mm -hmm. So as much as a lot of the hospitals there in the Middle East have sort of followed the, the system from the United States or from UK, there's still not a lot of subspecializations that you can see there as opposed to what you can see here in the United States. Like there's like hundreds of certifications and specializations that you can go to. So in a way that's sort of limiting for a nurse professional who would want to venture into something. Yes, um, yes, to advance yourself. Yeah, but one of the major challenges that I really faced, um, I would say, was the I think for lack of better words, the discrimination um, of me being a Filipino and um, being non-Western trained. So mm -hmm. when when I started my career there, um, and I guess this is coming from a background in the, in the Philippines, our, our career development or pathway, we usually just look into either becoming a charge nurse or going into the leadership position or becoming a clinical instructor um, in the academia. So when I moved into the Middle East, I had that mindset with me that, oh, I want to to go up the ladder in, in nursing leadership. So I, um, I worked really hard, you know, to prove that I'm capable of leading a team, but then uh, it, it was so difficult um, because they will always tell us that, you know, you're not Western trained, you're not qualified. Right. Um, and it took me two years to sort of become a charge nurse, for example, as opposed to mm -hmm. my colleagues who were um, from Europe or from UK, it just took them six months to, to be promoted. Yeah. So um, mm -hmm. that was one thing. And then, when I was in the leadership position and there was a restructuring in, in one of the former organizations that I was working, um, they they tried to find reasons to sort of remove me from the position. And at one point I was actually really demoted from wow. nurse to a staff nurse. Um, mm -hmm. was so did they, sorry to interrupt, did they say you were demoted or did they transition you into becoming a staff nurse? Yeah, I, it, they said I was demoted. Um, wow. Yeah, they had to sign papers in HR. And mm. um, for me, that was so difficult to accept, Akariva, because I really worked hard to get to that yeah. position. Um, so I actually went into depression for almost a year. It was not severe depression, though, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, like, I, I started to become aloof and tried to remove myself from all of the activities, mm -hmm. organization. Um and then one day, I don't know, like, I think I just woke up and realized that if I'm going to keep doing that, nothing will happen to my career and to my life. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I, I started talking to some of the senior nurses um, who have had some experiences as well of being discriminated. I started reading some self-help books, listened to different podcasts, you know, like the self-empowerment podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped me through that challenging moment. And it um, one of the main things that I really learned throughout that experience is, you know, if something is not working, if there is a rejection, it's it's actually a redirection to your, redirection. Next, yes. to your next destination. So I, I tapped into that and then I started reflecting as to what do I really want? And 
that was the time that I realized that I really wanted to do education. And mm. I started looking for opportunities again. And I was I was still working on the same hospital at the time. And then there was an opening for a clinical resource nurse, sort, sort of like a nurse educator in the unit. Um, mm. They told me that now you, know, you have a, a history of being demoted. You're not Western trained. So this, this oh, wow. issue of being non-Western trained always comes up over and over again. So I was like, um, okay, um, if, if you're not going to give me the job or the title, is it okay if I'm going to do an acting role just to help out and just to train myself because I'm really very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. They did give me the acting role. So they, they allowed me to do it without the pay, without the title. But for me, that was a learning um, opportunity. So I, I accepted it. And um, eventually they hired a person to do the role, but then that person sort of became my mentor as well in clinical education. Mm-hmm. And I sort of became her mentor in terms of how we do things um, yeah. in the clinical area. So since then, um, I kept doing a lot of things. And that was the time that I became very active in LinkedIn as well. Because one thing that I've realized is that people will never know what your capabilities are if you do not showcase it. And it's and not if about- you don't showcase it, yes. And yeah. show up and showcase yourself. Show up and showcase, yes. yeah. Yes. It's, yes. it's not even about- it's not even about boasting that you are, you know, you are this person. It's really just letting them know that, hi, I'm here and I can help. I am capable of doing it. Absolutely. You you can tap me. So um, that is, I think, the start of me becoming so active in LinkedIn because I wanted to sort of empower myself and also empower others that, yes, we can do something, um, even if I'm not Western trained. But- You can empower somebody. You can inspire someone. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but that being said, like um, I also learned, you know, I think one thing that I've learned is to also listen to feedback and adapt to your environment. So since I've been hearing that you're not Western trained, you don't have Western qualifications, I've learned that. And I was like, okay, if that's what you're looking for, I'm going to try to look for US certifications um, so that you cannot say that I don't have Western qualifications. Um, I, I, took exams for certifications. And that is why like, I have a certification as a nurse educator, as a um, um, nursing professional development. And eventually before I left the United States, um, I applied for a scholarship in Harvard Medical School because they have a postdoctorate um, certificate in training to teach in medicine, um, which I actually um, got in and finished last year. Um, so I think eventually like people have been seeing that, you know, like, Firstly, it's not really about Western training, but yes, if they need Western training, I already have Western training. So mm-hmm. they can't say that I'm not um, capable. So eventually I was able to move to a different organization who offered me the job, the pay. Um, and funny enough, like after working two years in that new organization, the old organization had a change in leadership again. And this time mm-hmm. their executive director actually asked me if I'm willing to, to work for them. Um, as the lead educator. And I was like, I actually came from, from that organization, but I was not given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think one thing, I'm not so sure if you're if you're aware with this, um, the pay in the Middle East is based on your nationality. So yes. um so do, for, do they pay you different from the from from their the, oh from their own nurses? Yeah. I, I didn't know that it based on your, your nationality. Yes. I thought it was based on your experience. No, no. So for example, if both of us, um, we are both nurses, but since you are American, uh, an American nurse and I'm a Filipino nurse, if we're mm-hmm. going to be doing the same job, you're going to be paid twice or three times than mine. Um, 
So that was one of the things that I advocated that as well. So it, it is. But one thing that I've learned is that um, when when they tried to bring me back to the old organization, I told them that, um, you know, I, I really love, I, I would love to consider coming back because I loved working with the people that I have worked before, but um, you have to pay me with the right compensation for the for the role, not for my nationality, because you're paying for the experience and the expertise. And so they did. And so they did. So I, I realized that, you know, sometimes we really have to advocate for ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. And we really have to to fight, you know. Um, and it can be challenging sometimes. Sometimes you will not be heard. Sometimes you will not be seen. But I think if you just keep doing what you love doing and showcasing it, showing up for what you love doing, um, everything will just fall into place. But then again, it's 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 not easy. Yes, definitely. And you know what? The truth is, you, you're so right about that. You really have to, and and it's not about bragging. It's the it's about it's about showing and letting everyone know what you're doing. And it's just that it will inspire someone. It will motivate someone. It will empower somebody, and of course, helping somebody to advance themselves and maximize their own potential. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm glad you did that. The Lincoln is a great place to showcase who you are, what you're doing with your profession, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, um, Dr. Oze, so tell me about a little bit about. So, as far as education is concerned, what are the, some of the most challenging aspects of education? Because I know that's your passion. You uh -huh. love education, and I'm sure that you're going to find nurses watching this video who want to go into education. Some Filipinos and some non-Filipinos yeah. they want to go into education, and they want to know what it is like to be an educator and and educating nurses who are experienced and non-experienced. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I would say that there there's a lot of challenges. You know, being being an educator especially in this era where the the um research evidence-based practice is rapidly changing you know what what's true five years ago might not be true today um just because there's a lot of um advancements in technology and healthcare um one thing that i would say that is a bit challenging is sometimes how rapidly technology impacts education and training um mm -hmm. so when i was working as an assistant professor last year. Um, that was the time when ChatGPT came up, yes. uh, <laughs> and you know I'm I'm all for technology and development. I'm all for uh, making the work of nurses easy. But for me, sometimes I think there needs to be a balance with technology and um, education as well. Because one of the fears that I had was, you know, when you ask ChatGPT to do something, like it provides you with everything, but how does it impact the critical thinking of our soon-to-be nurses, for example? Exactly. Because I'm just scared that, you know, like... What about nurses like the shortcut way and the easy way? Yeah. You know, what about their critical thinking? That's my exactly. point. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and again, I think, you know, if there is a way to, to manage or to regulate the use of um, artificial intelligence, I'm all for that. I, I would be happy to support that because um, it, it also does help the educators in a way, like creating... Um, for example, NCLEX type questions, you know, it it, yes. it can support you in doing that. But really, I think my, my fear is just, I don't want the nurses to lose their critical thinking skills because that is very important once mm -hmm. they work in the clinical area. Like you might be presented with a lot of different cases that hasn't been recorded in the web, for example. Yeah. So yeah. When 
if you are so dependent on ChatGPT, like how sure are you that ChatGPT will be able to provide you with the right intervention for for that specific? Yeah, thing? yeah. How do you think it's going to impact the the new nurses who are coming? The ChatGPT talking about that. Mm. New nurses who are coming up want to pass the NCLEX. Some of some of them have taken NCLEX two times, three times. Whether they are from the Philippines or they're from right here oh. in America, you know, nurses. Some nurses actually struggle with the NCLEX. Yeah. How do you think the ChatGPT uh, or AI is going to impact them? Um. I would say, in a way, it, it depends on how they're going to use it. Um, in terms of pre preparing for the exam, I think it's very helpful to prepare for the exam because with ChatGPT, you can just request to, you can just ask for it to provide you with specific information, for example, and then it provides you with that. There's a certain limitation, though, depending on what version you, you are using, because I think there's a specific um, date that they have those type of information. So, for example, I think um, the older version of ChatGPT is only up until 2021. So, if there are new information in 2022, they might not be able to provide you those information. Um, yeah. on, on the other hand, yeah, I think one of the things, the downside of it is like, is again, like I'm going to go back to my point of the critical thinking aspect of it, because. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really just scared that nurses will stop thinking critically just because they can get information like on the go. So, yeah. Yeah, the most important thing is all about the care of the patient. I want them to be so knowledgeable and so skilled that when they step into the organization with their orientation they're going to get they can actually take care good care of their patients exactly. so the critical thinking is so important because some of those patients um in stuff can get a little complex so the critical mm -hmm. critical thinking skills is very very important i want to ask you real quickly because we have just about three minutes to go um, tell me a little bit about the un underserved community that you're involved in. I know that you are raising funds for that. So you are wow. super involved in the community, which is so amazing. Tell me just a little about that. Yeah, so um, I am currently an ambassador for the United Vessel of Love Foundation, and our president is actually a nurse as well, um, yes. Adule. Um, what we are doing is we're looking into communities that doesn't have access to healthcare of any form. So, um, for example, one of the projects that we have this month is the Value Her um, project, wherein we try to focus on the maternal and child health for women and children in in underserved communities in Nigeria. Um, we're trying to raise funds so that you know we can support them in terms of education or even just smaller healthcare access or building something for them in the community so that at least you know they can start with like preventive type of healthcare, primary healthcare in their communities. Wow. And if someone out there hear what you're talking about and want to support that that venture and want to help you, what what should they do? How do they connect with you to to assist? What do they yeah, do? Yeah, so they can connect um, with me through LinkedIn. Um, and then we also have a website actually, uh, www.uvofoundation.org. Okay. Um, and they can see what are active fundraising events to help support um, our uh, advocacies there. And we even have some um, volunteering and, uh, because we you every year we go for a, a mission. So like last year we did some missions in Nigeria. So I wasn't able to go yet, but um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping in the coming years I will be able to participate. Wow. I am always so 
delighted to speak with nurses who are involved in the community. I believe it is so rich when you can touch the lives of those in the community, especially in the underserved areas. So I'm excited about that. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to donate or contribute to what Dr. Jose Arnold is doing, get in touch with him on LinkedIn. And my last uh, question that I want to ask you is, um, how would you, you know, encourage or motivate a nurse, a brand new nurse out there who said, you know what, I want to be what Dr. Jose Arnold Riga is doing, or I want to become an educator and a leader. What are some of the things? What, just tell me, encourage them for just, just um, 30 seconds. What would you tell them? I would say that uh, you have to believe, to believe in your capacity and your capability as a person and as a nurse. Um, do not fall into self-limiting beliefs just because others do not believe in you. You are more powerful than their beliefs. Your belief, your self-belief is more powerful than anyone's belief. So hold on to your truth, hold on to your passion, do what you love doing, and yes. you definitely make an impact. Awesome, awesome. That is so great. That is amazing. Dr. Ozzy, I I am so appreciative of your time. You are doing a, an incredible work in the community and in nursing. You are raising the bar in healthcare in nursing. Keep up the great work. I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to speak with you. And thank you so much for your time. And I will catch you another time. And I will say, if by the way, I forget to say this. If someone wants, because I know you're doing some coaching and some consulting as well. If someone wants to get in touch with you, tell them how they can get in touch with you. Thank you so much. It's really just through LinkedIn. I usually use LinkedIn for professional connection. So um, yeah, if you want to have some coaching, especially with professional development, I would be happy to help you out. So just reach me out through LinkedIn. Awesome. You are very active on LinkedIn. So again, ladies and gentlemen, nurses, nurse leaders, if you if you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Jose Arnold, get on LinkedIn and make sure you connect with him. He will help you with your coaching, your consulting, and he's a great person to not just follow on LinkedIn, but to connect with him on LinkedIn. Once again, it is so great speaking with you. And thank you so much, Dr. Jose, for your time. So that wraps up our session. And I will just come back right after this video. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for watching our video and I will see you on the next one.